The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Ling alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the intro song, Comb Over. Be sure to check those guys out, local hip-hop group here in Madison. We're going to be focusing on AL West top tens today. Thankfully, you know, we've we got to keep this pod a little short. Thankfully, these these systems aren't that flush uh, with talent. Two so of them can, are. Two of them. But the others are, are barren, to yeah. say the least. So with that in mind, we can kind of start with some 
some news that's not really prospect related, but has a lot of implications for the fantasy world. Dexter Fowler in a surprise move, you know, turning down the the Orioles offer and returning to the Cubs on a one year deal. Just initial thoughts on this whole situation. I thought it was a pretty baller move by Fowler. Uh, Cubs are probably the team you want to be with right now, especially if you're a position player that's into winning and into having a good time and playing for a guy like Joe Madden. Do you think they tried to send him for like additional tests or something? He's just like, nah. No, I think it it boiled down to the opt-out. The Orioles weren't willing to give him an opt-out. And... You know, the fact that the the qualifying offer thing really kind of limited his value. And I think it it really appealed to him to hit the market again as soon as possible uh, to try to get a a bigger deal. So, you know, he gets about the same. Like, suppose the Cubs have to buy him out after this first first season. He'll make as much money as he would have in one year with the Orioles. Plus, he gets to hit the market again. And he gets to possibly win a World Series and, and play for Joe Madden one more year in the process. So I, I definitely get it from his angle. I thought it was pretty cool how he sort of surprised his teammates by, by showing up to the facilities today without any of them knowing that he was going to be back. The ramifications are pretty wide-ranging. I think the biggest loser is Soler, or is Jorge Soler. Uh, Dexter Fowler also kind of a – a big downgrade in his value just because of where he'll hit in the order. I think you got to downgrade Miguel Montero a little bit. You got to downgrade Javi Baez a little bit and maybe a minor downgrade for Kyle Schwarber. I I still think that he's going to see the majority of the bats in left field, especially against righties. And I think he'll end up catching more than he would have before this trade. So I don't think that it's a, it might not even affect Schwarber at all, really, but I think Solaire is the big loser here. Fowler also sees his value take a hit. And these downgrades are really for for now because this, this could be a precursor to a Solaire trade, as I think you kind of speculated yeah, on on Twitter. I I think that they will trade Solaire if they get the right offer. I think that teams kind of see that the Cubs are in a position of power here. Like the Cubs don't have to trade Solaire at all. They don't have to trade any of these guys. Like they, they're just set. They're loaded. They don't need to make any moves They're, I mean, they're, they're pitching staff while it isn't spectacular. You know, they, they can make moves to address that at the trade deadline. If they want fact is they just have the, the best collection of position players at the big league level of any team in the majors. And, I don't I wouldn't blame them for going into the year with all these guys. I just wonder if, you know, trading Solaire now, like if you could get a number a legit number 3 starter for Solaire, I'd probably do that right mm-hmm. now just because it there's just not you have so much depth even without Solaire, like the added value that he brings by having him on the roster to me, I'd I'd rather have that in the rotate in the form of a rotation piece. Yeah, their rotation has some depth too. I mean, it even does. with, you know, they just but they have like after Arietta Lester and Lackey, there are some legitimate you know, yeah, I like not, Kyle Hendricks. It's not a super team yeah. after you those can upgrade, guys. Right. Yeah, like you so. can upgrade the Jason Hamill spot, you can upgrade the Kyle When you're Hendricks in that spot. position, might as well just You could even go upgrade. Yeah, you could even up you could grab a, another just elite bullpen arm too even and mm. and that would 
probably makes some sense, but I think you're you're going to see Fowler play most days in center. I think he'll also get occasional starts in left against lefties, and then where does he bat in the order though? I think down like probably yeah. probably seventh or something like that. Maybe against lefties he's batting fifth or sixth, but uh, that's that's the big hurt for him is that not only does he like in, in Baltimore he would have played every single day batted lead off mm-hmm. played in a great park I mean it's it's not a big downgrade I, I, don't, I don't think you know the move to the AL might have made up for the fact that he was getting a park upgrade so that's not a big deal but he's not going to be batting atop the order anymore and he's probably going to get more days off so that's that's where his value takes a hit but Soler definitely the big loser here yeah absolutely I agree with you uh, we'll move on to AL West top tens, top ten prospects by team in that division. We'll start with the Astros, who really, I mean, we've seen seen these promotions recently, but still an embarrassment of riches, really, in this farm system. Is this the top system in baseball? No, I forget who you give that honor I, to. Dodgers for me. Dodgers, uh, Dodgers Rockies, Brewers, uh, Red Sox. You know, there's there's a lot of there's probably at least half dozen systems I'd take over the Astros, but okay. they are a top ten system for sure, mm-hmm. which is saying quite a bit given how much they've traded and graduated in the past yeah. just twelve months. You know, I mean, they graduate Correa, they trade Vincent Velasquez, they trade, uh, you know, that that big haul they gave to the Brewers in the Gomez deal. Mm-hmm. They they traded. Uh, some nice pieces for you know, traded Jacob Nottingham for Scott Casimir, and yet they still have a top ten system. I mean that says a lot. Mm-hmm. AJ Reed is easily the top first base prospect in the minors, and probably the the second or third best hitting prospect for for twenty sixteen. Just because if he doesn't break camp as the starting first baseman, he'll be up pretty soon. I mean there there are definitely some whispers that he could win that job outright. I don't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet on that just because he hasn't played at AAA yet. But given that Jonathan Singleton is really the only thing in his way, you know, he could easily just completely outclass Singleton in spring training, and they might end up going with him. Plus, Valbuena probably going to be a factor at third base. So I think that kind of. I mean, I think he'll see time at both yeah. corners. And they like Marwin Gonzalez in that utility role. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Reed. Yeah, if you were gonna if you were gonna go enter enter the year playing Valbuena a decent amount at first base, you might as well just call up Reed at that point. So yeah, I mean you have Reed as your most upside long term and best bet for twenty sixteen. Where do you remember where you have him ranked in on your top three fifty players for twenty sixteen? Because I know he cracked your top three fifty. Yeah, let me just. He's on mine as well. Uh, I can pull that up really quick, especially given how much first base falls off after you know I'd say maybe the third tier or so. Uh, in the cost on Reed, I think there's mm-hmm. all the reason in the world to jump on him right now. Yeah, I, so I have him ranked 163rd overall in the wow. f- number 14 first baseman ahead of guys like Brandon Belt, Mitch Moreland, Justin Bohr, Will Myers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be I, – I, I really kind of think that from the time he's up, he could put up Freddie Freeman numbers basically for the rest of the season and – that could be even better than Freeman in terms of RBIs and runs. So, uh, pretty pretty high on him for for 2016 and beyond. Yeah, for obvious reasons, we'll run down the rest of the top ten in the Astros system. 
uh, Francis Martis, two, Alex Bregman, three, Kyle Tucker, four, Colin Moran, five, Derek Fisher, six, Joe Musgrove, seven, Michael Feliz, eight, Daz Cameron, nine, 80 grade name right there, David Paulino, 10. Behind Reed, is Martis the guy that has the most upside, or would you give yeah. that to somebody else? Well, you could make a case that Kyle Tucker might have more upside, but I'd give it to Martis just because he's closer and already has, uh, you know, the the stuff that you kind of look for in a top of the rotation arm. I, I think he's got more risk than a lot of the pitchers that are ranked in the top 50 for me he's he's up there based on upside but he he doesn't have uh you know he's got less than 50 innings above low a even though he's still semi-close to the big leagues because they've just they just pushed him so aggressively last year uh but yeah i mean he's he's got some some nasty stuff so i i think that after Reed, it's it's Martes, and then you could you can make a case for Tucker. You can make a case for Fisher if that hit tool comes along. You could make a case for even a guy like Daz Cameron if you think that power is going to develop. But Cameron and Tucker are so far away, and Fisher has quite a large sample of showing us that he's he's mostly power and speed. So uh, I'd, I'd go Martes number two there. Now, you have Bregman third. We've talked about him a bit in the past, and I know you're not quite as high on him as some other uh, prospect analysts in the industry. Do you want to offer any kind of words of caution when it comes to Bregman for Dynasty League uh, prospective owners? I wouldn't caution against owning him. I think he's extremely safe, and I wouldn't give him a significant downgrade for being blocked at the big league level. I just think you got to understand that from an upside perspective, he's a bit capped. Mm-hmm. I think the hit tool is by far his best offensive tool, which is fine. Like I, I like prospects where their hit tool is the carrying tool, but he doesn't have big time power or the kind of speed that's going to win you a category. I mean, I mean, you mentioned he's blocked, but he could move to second too, right? Well, he's blocked there too. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, he's right. Yeah, not having shortstop eligibility. Yeah. When he does eventually reach the majors, would be kind of a knock, even though it could still be valuable at second base as well. We'll move on to the Angels. Not a lot to, to touch on here. Uh, man, this is bare bones as far as the system goes. I, as a Reds fan, I'm happy, uh, even though it's been an offseason of you know stalled trades and failed trades. I'm kind of glad that that Bruce deal didn't come through because I don't know if there's anybody that particularly want in this. Well, system. you definitely wouldn't want any of these guys. If if you were if you were able <laughs> to get Blue Jays, if yeah. you're able to get like Skaggs or or Trapiano, that might have been. I, I'd I'd prefer one of those arms to Bruce just because, you know. I'd heard th- I'd heard some names though uh, as potential prospects. Let me try to dig those up here real quick. They were they weren't guys on the big league roster. No. Oh yikes! I hadn't heard of them ever before, <laughs> so uh, was not good. I, I also nice. heard that there was maybe a a Blue Jays prospect coming back, but it looks like that deal for now at least. Uh, may very well. I mean, there. I like some of the guys in the Blue Jays system, so uh, that could have been nice. I mean, I'd, I'm at. I'd be at the point as a Reds fan where I'd be trying to get really anything for Bruce, but you got to assume he'd yeah. be able to get something. I mean, better it's just him. a salary dump. Yeah, essentially, I think he's supposed, supposed to make like 13 mil this year. Well, yeah, let's move on to the A's because this system actually does have some gems. Franklin Barreto, he's been a big riser 
from even this point last year uh, on your list. I know uh, 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 shortstop with impressive power, especially for a 20-year-old. Did battle some wrist issues late last year, but the power numbers at that position put him firmly uh, on the radar and probably should be owned in, in all dynasty and, and keeper league formats. Yeah, I've gone back and forth as to whether I would take him or Orlando Arcia or J.P. Crawford if we're talking about a straight dynasty keep forever type of league. I think right now I'd probably prefer Crawford and Arcia if for nothing else than if you feel like you need to trade one of them. I think you get a much bigger haul based on where they're ranked on uh, real life prospect lists, but Barreto to me has the higher fantasy ceiling of the three based on his potential for five category awesomeness really I mean he could be a 2020 shortstop with a 280 290 average I mean that's that's pretty elite mm-hmm. Sean Manaya acquired uh from Kansas City at the deadline last year he was a guy that you know some scouts were kind of low on it in the fall league but you think there may be kind of a buy low opportunity a chance to get him at a reasonable valuable uh, reasonable value in, in drafts and auctions this, this spring. Manaya? Yeah. Uh I don't think you could buy low on him in too many places just because his minor league numbers are so strong and you know, we heard from Jim Callis basically saying that he's he thinks Manaya's overrated. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could get him for a discount if you're dealing with someone in the industry who also is at that uh conference but i i think he's been around long enough the name value's strong enough the numbers are good enough and he's ranked high enough on most lists that he's probably going for for market value at this point i i think he's a high risk high reward guy which is kind of crazy to say about a 24 year old starter but he's uh has yet to kind of show that he can pitch a, a a ton of innings in a season has issues going deep into games while holding velocity so there's all the kind of makings of a guy that might end up in a bullpen which at which point I think he'd be just filthy and mm. could be one of those just elite left-handed relievers but I mean, he looked good in the fall stars game and I think his athleticism maybe a bit underrated Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I love, I love like everything about about Manaya physically. It's just about showing that he can can handle a starter's workload, and I think that if he if he pitches really well at AAA to start the season, I think the A's are gonna push him pretty aggressively because you kind of want to know what you got with a guy like that and sort of see if he can handle some six inning outings in the big leagues, see how his stuff plays there. And then you kind of can figure out if you think you have a starter or a reliever. I don't, I don't think he's a guy that they're going to let throw 80 innings at triple a, if he's pitching well and not call him up, I think he'll be up pretty quickly. Jane Lee of MLB.com reporting recently that Manaya will get an early cactus league start. So that'll be fun to watch. And Bob Melvin, uh, indicated that he but I will get a chance to pitch in the majors this season. Now, Renato Nunez, power, very intriguing. I think he had, what, 29 homers in 2014. Uh, followed it up with 18 at AA last year. Uh, we talked about the power with, with Barreto. Nunez needs a bit more to, to really profile well at third base, but he, but he has it. And 
uh, what's what's the upside in terms of home run potential when he reaches the majors? I think he could be a twenty plus homer guy. Uh, him and Matt Olson, who's fourth on the list, are really close for me. I'd I'd take Olson over Nunez in an OBP league. I would take Nunez over Olson in a batting average league. But uh, both guys should hit twenty plus homers. It's just a matter of what the average is going to look like. And Nunez, there is I think his floor is kind of a like a guy that just crushes uh, crushes lefties and ends up being platooned, but. You know that that's where this system kind of falls off. Is after after Manaya, I I don't know if I'd be willing to bet that any of these guys make it as even average regulars. But there is a chance that that a lot of them do. So you know, a lot of names to keep an eye on. But after Barreto and Manaya, it gets kind of thin in terms of high upside, high probability guys. I was doing an AL only auction and reserve draft yesterday, and I took. Chad Pinder with one of my final reserve draft picks. We, we've talked in the past about Barreto, you know, maybe being a bit of a long shot, but not out of the realm of possibility that he reaches the majors this year. Pinder, a better bet. He's already at AAA, 24 years old. What, what does he bring to the table in terms of skill set that could help owners in only leagues? He's, his numbers are pretty impressive, but like all A's prospects, he took advantage of pretty favorable hitting environments so it's not really clear how valid those numbers are I think his you know he he could offer something kind of like what Marcus Semien did last year so that's that's got value in in deeper leagues I just yeah I mean it's more kind of short-term value with him because maybe he gets up and and hits you know, half dozen homers in the final two months or something like that. But I think long term, he's he's maybe kind of a a bench guy. It, it's it's going to be hard, I think, for him to sort of establish himself as a as an average or better regular. I want to leave it up to you to uh, tell us whatever you feel is relevant about this Mariners system because I, I got nothing. Aside <laughs> uh, from that, so I like Luis Gohara. So the only three guys that I think you should worry about unless you're just in a ridiculously deep dynasty league or Alex Jackson who was their first round pick two years ago and then Edwin Diaz who's kind of a mid-rotation arm who's fairly close to the big leagues and Drew Jackson who they stole in the fifth round I believe last year and has plus speed advanced approach solid contact ability and could move pretty fast and he's a shortstop out of Stanford other than that it's it's pretty barren you got guys like Tyler O'Neill who is a long shot but has some power and then it really just gets pretty gross after that I think if you haven't already cut bait with DJ Peterson you should do that now Alex Jackson is a guy who if if you're in a league with kind of uninformed or maybe trigger happy owners Alex Jackson's a pretty good buy low candidate because I still think he's a top 100 prospect just based on his his tools and his upside it's just going to be such a long wait uh that that i could see why an owner might give up on him and if you're in a league that rosters 100 guys he should be owned so if you you can maybe get him at a discount edwin diaz is a guy for watch list this year and then like i said drew jackson a guy that might be a little under the radar just because he didn't go high in the draft but someone who should be rostered in leagues that are rostering 150 prospects 
Let's wrap up with the Rangers before we grade out our latest hip-hop artist, Pharaoh Monch. I uh, don't, don't know if a lot of our listeners probably know who that is, but Rangers system. Nice way to sell it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan. Maybe so. maybe you don't know who this guy is, but we might grade him out. We'll grade him out, and maybe you can get <laughs> yeah, turned on maybe, to yeah, somebody you like. Keep it. Uh, this system has some talent for sure. The top two guys on your list here, Nomar Mazar, Joey Gallo, Gaining steam as 2016 options with the with Josh Hamilton yeah. predictably banged up. And it yeah. sounds like he's going to start the year on the DL. Indeed, Mazzara, very intriguing. I know you got a lot of stock in him and your dynasty formats. Uh, rare that a guy brings this kind of raw power and, and contact ability, uh, but that raw power has already started translating to games. He's only 20 years old. You think he could be a, a major uh, contributor this year? Yeah, I think... I mean, this system has more upside in the top 10 than maybe any system except the Dodgers. Like, everyone other than Ariel Dorado has a really high ceiling, and Mazzara and Gallo and Brinson at the top kind of exemplify that. Mazzara, I think the hit tool is probably more ahead of the power. So, over, say, like, there's. Stefan Stevenson for like Fort Worth Star Tribune, I think, uh, or Star Ledger, Star Telegram. Um, he's he opined on Twitter that Mazzara had a fifty percent chance of winning that left field job in spring training. That seems high even for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love Mazzara, but I don't think the Rangers would give up that year of control. That said, the Hamilton injury does make him, uh, along with AJ Reed a prime option to be one of those guys that gets called up after the first 11 or 12 days of the season, like Chris Bryant did last year. In that case, I could see Mazzara offering a maybe 280 average with 20 homers in his rookie year, which is excellent considering that he is still below or off a lot of people's radar as a 2016 option. I think most Mm -hmm. people know about him, but you know, I, I saw Eric Carabell, did his top 10 prospects for 2016 and didn't have Mazzara on there. I think a lot of kind of mainstream publications are going to leave him off when talking about guys for 2016. And I think that's a a great buying opportunity. I know like we've been a part of some mocks and some drafts where he hasn't even been in the player universe. So you've had to take Mm -hmm. a a dummy player and, and say that you're taking Mazzara in that spot. So, uh, Definitely a guy that you can wait on, I think, in, in drafts. Maybe if you're doing an NFBC, you can't wait too long. But in single-season leagues, I think you can wait maybe till the last pick of the draft to grab him. Maybe not now that news is getting out that he might be competing for that spot, but still not a guy I don't think you have to reach on and still offers a, a ton of potential. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that he's not gaining more, uh, generating more buzz within the industry because I, I mentioned that AL-only uh, auction I did uh, and that was on CBS yesterday with with a lot of experts, and he was taken with the final buck spent in the auction. I thought that was surprising. I, I backed myself into a hole, filled my outs, outfield spots, couldn't invest, uh, couldn't push on that price. But uh, I think he should be going for for much more than a buck in, in only formats uh, right now, and especially you know closer to the start of the season because the upside is through the roof. Gallo in the same boat. I know you were recently talking about. Or thinking about dealing him in a keeper league, but the, the potential that he could come back to haunt you as a guy who's maybe hitting you know fifty bombs in the future uh, was just you couldn't pull the trigger on that. But 
Oh, for 2016, what's Gallo's outlook looking like? So, he's a reason why I think you can get Mazzara at a discount is because everyone's heard of Gallo. Everyone remembers ponying up a ton of money in fab to try to get him when he got called up. And everyone's heard about the power, so I think people might obvious might think that he's the obvious guy with Hamilton out of the picture. But he's they're going to leave him, I think, in AAA for a while just because of how much he struggled in the big leagues and how much he struggled even going back to Round Rock. Like, I think I was even surprised at his struggles at AAA. I thought that when he got sent back down from the big leagues that he would crush AAA pitching, and that just wasn't the case. So I think while he'll start the year off pretty well, like he's shown the ability to kind of master every level that he's had to repeat. So I think he'll get off to a, a really good start at AAA, but I think that they're going to keep him down for a few months before, unless, unless like an injury just kind of forces their hand. I think that they really want to get him in, in some good habits at AAA before they bring him back up. Uh, that said, you know, his kind of power is impossible to come by on the waiver wire, so you still got to draft him, I think, in, in deeper mixed leagues. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to be very productive at the big league level, though, this year and maybe even next year. I think it's going to be a, a batting average that really makes you second-guess owning him. Maybe you think about even dropping him at times. But two or three years down the road, he could put it all together and lead the majors and homers. So I think in dynasty leagues, you just got to be patient with him. Are we leaving Lewis Brinson out of this or uh this potential outfield mix no, I'm, for I'm, 2016 i uh yeah i think i said yeah i, th- I said in the best bet for 2016 like you can make a case for brinson there even because i i don't i'm not a big believer in delano de shields long term and brinson <laughs> killed it at triple a last year he's got in in almost any other system he'd be the guy with the most upside because he's got 2020 potential maybe even a bit more than that on the the speed side of things and could hit for a really high average he's going to possibly play gold glove defense and center so I don't think keeping his bat in the lineup is going to be an issue and it's kind of going to be up to the shields to to fend him off and Brinson to force the issue I think that that could happen by June or July so it's just the fact that you have a guy with Gallo's ceiling and guy that's as close as Mazzara that Brinson didn't get mentioned in either of those spots. Not a prospect anymore, but we can't forget about Jerkson Profar. Mm-hmm. Uh, completed his throwing program. You know, speculation that he could uh, going to start at shortstop at AAA, but could be an outfield option for the big club. Do you think a corner outfield option though? Or do you think he's better suited for center field? Uh, I would think left field just because of the issues with his shoulder yeah. and just given the, what they have, I mean, I, I don't, Need, yeah. I view him as a, I still view him as an infielder. And I think that they're the only really course of action that makes sense is to have him play shortstop at triple a. And then if Rugnet Odor, Elvis Andrews gets hurt, you bring him up immediately and have him take over that role and while he's at triple a hopefully he's building up his trade value to the point where if you need to move you know i i don't think odor is going anywhere but that andrews contract's not looking as bad as it did just because of what some of the other you know what brandon crawford's deal looks like 
I mean, there's a lot of money out there in terms of just competent shortstops. So I think you could move Andrews if you needed to, and you could move Profar if he plays well at AAA. So they're going to have a lot of options. I, I don't think moving him to the outfield makes a ton of sense just based on the other options they have internally. Dylan Tate, finally, we'll wrap up with this. Dylan Tate, team's top draft choice uh, last year, 21-year-old right-hander. Uh, you have him at five, so I'm assuming you think he has a, a pretty decent chance to stick as a starter, but what do you say the odds are that he ends up in the bullpen? If you had to just I actually don't. I like. I think it's 50-50, so I wouldn't. <laughs> I just think that the upside, if he makes it as a starter, mm-hmm. like all the guys after Brinson are – extremely high upside extremely high risk guys like except for Gerardo who's just kind of a mid-rotation arm like I mean Johander Mendez could end up in the bullpen Luis Ortiz could get so hurt that he never even makes it to the big leagues Dylan Tate could just be a closer I mean there's a lot of question marks you know Leotis Tavares I put in the top 10 and he's just 17 years old so Tate being in the top five just says more about his ceiling than his floor. I think that there's a legitimate chance he ends up a closer, but if he's a closer, then he's going to be a really good one. So we should have a pretty good idea, I think, by the end of this season, what his level of risk is. You know, if he can go log 150, 160 innings and uh, have show some solid control, then I think we can all start to pencil him in as a future starter if he gets hurt or struggles to go deep into games or maybe really struggles to develop a third pitch or has control issues then they might end up kind of fast tracking him after 2017 to the bullpen that'll do it for the prospect portion of the podcast we're going to grade out the latest hip-hop artist uh, on the 20 to 80 scouting scale grading out the five tools we've established uh, for hip-hop artists lyricism flow longevity impact swag and then overall grade Feral Monch, get the, uh, Simon says, get the, uh, I mean, that's really the song that launched him. I know Internal Affairs was was your jam, and I certainly like that album, 99 release, but Desire, 2007, you ever give that a spin? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess my, uh, the reason why I like Internal Affairs more is I think it's kind of more in keeping with that sort of like raucous record sort of mm-hmm. uh early like late 90s early 2000s kind of underground rap scene with like guys like Mostaf and Talib Kweli and Common like it just has that sort of feel to it whereas Desire yeah. I think a lot of the music that guys like Manch and Kweli and and Common have put out in the mid or late 2000s it sort of feels like they're trying to be you know they're trying to be radio friendly ish because they, they're sick of not making any money, but they're also not going all the way. Whereas I think Internal Affairs was just a really sort of true kind of underground album, and it it really all the tracks kind of fit really well. Uh, I'm usually going to gravitate to a guy's debut album, so it doesn't surprise me that I thought I, Desire I, did I, slip uh, under the radar kind of because it was so far after that initial release. Yeah. He uh, just went on like a ghostwriting spree after Internal Affairs, yeah. so you know he was still paying the bills. But uh, I mean, th- some of the tracks off Desire, though, "Welcome to the Terror Dome," of course, uh, excellent. "When the Gun Draws," "Let's Go." I mean, there's a lot of really good tracks on that. So if 
Uh, if you're a listener, hip hop fan who haven't, hasn't heard that album, the one uh, thing I would say about Welcome to the Terradome is like there's just so much sampling from the oh, yeah. original Public Enemy song, and I just prefer the Public Enemy version. But uh, love the Public Enemy version. Yeah, but I, I do think, and we'll start with the grades because I, I love Monch's lyricism and flow. I mean, the combination of both with him, a very unique style, kind of got that like nasally kind of voice mm-hmm. going. Uh, and the lyrics, I mean, you could take them on the surface, usually add a deeper context to them as well. The wordplay, outstanding. I got a 70 on that grade. You got a 65. Flow, I got a 60, uh, 65. You got a 55. Both plus plus. I mean, uh, you mentioned the raucous records and that era, that style of you know smart lyricism, strong flows among that bunch. And he also said the song earlier, Oh No. I think with, that's, with like, if you haven't heard of Pharaoh or don't know mm-hmm. who we're talking about, you probably have heard the song Oh No with Nate Dogg and uh, Most Def. And uh, that that would be the song that you know Pharaoh from, probably. Other, otherwise, maybe The Life with Styles P. You might know him from that, too. I think Oh No is just such a classic from that, that kind of era and pretty timeless as well i think you know it wouldn't surprise me if maybe none of our listeners have heard his solo work and i'm sure i floated this to you earlier in the office like how many people do you think in the office have even heard of feral Monch? like i think the smart money would be on zero other than you and i so uh you know we got a lot of young interns and stuff in here working but uh, and a lot of people that don't aren't that into hip-hop but i mean he's kind of a under the radar artist so if you haven't heard oh no check that out and if you have then maybe you kind of get an idea for who we're talking about very contagious raps should be trapped in cages through stages and whackness foul raps foul rats is blazing (laughs) uh definitely check that out now the grades start to slip when we get to longevity you mentioned went on that ghostwriting spree and there was that eight-year gap between albums i got a 40 you got a 25 just probably because i like desire more uh, but for you, a very small window, so you got a twenty-five on that grade. Also, I I don't think uh, like I don't think you hear any Ferromanch stuff. No. I mean, nobody really even I don't think cites. Like I think he like a lot of underground rappers probably like like his stuff. But I mean, he I just don't I don't think he has any kind of like long lasting impact uh, that is being felt today or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's it's reflected impact, in your. Yeah. Reflected in your impact grade twenty five, uh, I agree with you. Even when he has a new album released, I saw it on Wikipedia. I didn't even know he had mm-hmm. some albums in recent years. Just no commercial releases, really, uh, completely under the radar. I got a thirty five on impact because I do think with that raucous movement had some uh, sway and impact uh, among some of the the new wave of of hip hop artists. Swag, I got a forty five. You're still dinging him on the swag grade. Admittedly, not a lot, but the um simon says video i mean and just kind of his his witty swaggy wordplay i'm giving him 45 but uh, i could see your argument yeah i i just don't think like he you could walk by Ferromanch on the street and i don't think you'd recognize him i don't think probably any, not anymore anyone would have any clue that he was a former rapper uh, like the longevity and impact and even like the swag grade is all a lot because he just never kind of made it commercially. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm not saying that he sucks with those grades. I'm just kind of saying that, you know, he didn't have 
sort of a chance to be that impactful or that long lasting just because he wasn't really selling records you know I, I think it's a shame that you know that just kind of happens in the art world where there's a lot of good artists that just never make it for one reason or the other because they weren't that commercially appealing so I, mm. I definitely don't ding the the pure talent as shown by the lyricism and the flow but true talent level hard to hard to give him too many high grades elsewhere given how his career really never got above water final grades overall i got a 50 you got a 40 uh which is identical to our our grades for juvenile mm-hmm. so far different on the on the spectrum in terms of yeah. type of hip-hop artist yeah. but when it boils down to it when the grades grades don't lie yeah i i yeah we got par. uh we both you gave dmx a 50 i gave him a 55 we both gave nas a 75 and I think after going DMX, Juvie, Ferromanche, maybe we maybe we throw a a heavy hitter in there next episode. Yeah, I think it's about time. Get back uh, over, get back over that that plus grade level. Yeah, I kind of wanted to grade out Wayne, who we could do that. We could we could maybe think about that, even though the one the it, okay, let's just tease everyone. Like, who's the person you want to grade out the most, or you're most eagerly awaiting grading out on a solo level? <sighs> Maybe Raekwon? Mine would be Biggie. Okay, yeah. I mean that's those are some, some heavy hitters <laughs> for sure. Mate, that's a little that might be a little too heavy for next step. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll maybe we'll go Wayne. We could tease it with that. We can go Wayne. Just because I feel like to, to give Biggie his proper due, I need to go back and listen to the album. I mean, obviously I've played the hell out of him throughout the years, but I really would want the nice thing about to be going, sharp. The nice thing about doing your Biggie research is it might only take you two hours and 20 25 minutes because really after it's ready true. to die and life after death like that's kind of where i kind of call it on yeah what was that album that came out after his release born like again Eminem track born again yeah i think i had that but it wasn't wasn't a big fan because you could tell it was kind of was slopped together, together. Yeah, yeah right exactly. yeah i don't i don't judge that on him at all it's just the the first two albums there if you got an artist you want us to grade in future weeks let us know at clay w link at real jr anderson on twitter thanks guys paul spore and todd zola will be with you on friday So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.